Hi everyone, we are missing everybody and look forward to the time when we will be able to see everybody and a fellowship with one another again. But in the meantime, we are going to continue with our study on the book of Revelation. And before we had the lockdown, we had an opportunity to lay a foundation for being able to go into and study the book of Revelation. And we looked at principles of Bible prophecy or principles of understanding Bible prophecy. We looked at Daniel's 70 weeks. And we also looked at the doctrine of the rapture of the church. Why do we study the book of Revelation? We study it because we will, through studying the book of Revelation, get to know Jesus better. It was written and given to us that we would know God's plans. And understanding Revelation actually enables us to live confidently. Revelation also explains to us where we come from. And the book of Revelation explains why we are here. And the book of Revelation also beautifully illustrates our destiny. Where we are going to, that we will spend eternity with the Lord. And what God is going to do for us in the not too distant future where he will remove the church, where we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air as Paul clearly teaches us in the book of Thessalonians and that we will then be with the Lord and we will be taken out of the earth before the start of the tribulation. The book of Revelation is probably the most well-known book. It's the most unique book, but it is also the most neglected book in the Bible. But I can also say this, that it is the most vital book in the Bible in that it reveals Jesus Christ to us. Dion in his Sunday message this week was talking about us having a revelation of Jesus Christ. And that is what the book of Revelation is all about. And the early uh, reformers such as John Calvin, Martin Luther, actually shied away from the book of Revelation. And we see that in the modern era of the church, that most churches and sadly most pastors have actually stayed away from studying the book of Revelation. If we have a look at what the early church did, and there was some research that was done on the subject where um, people at a college in America actually delved into and had a look at what was the subject and what was the book that was most taught on by the early church. And what they found was that for the first 300 years of church history, the book that was most taught on was the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is a prophetical book, most of which still has to happen in the future. And with the book of Revelation being a prophetical book, I want to read a passage from Revelation 19 verse 10 because that actually tells us what prophecy is all about. 
In Revelation 19 verse 10, we see an angel instructing John to write uh, about the things that he has seen. And the angel says to him that these sayings are true. They are the sayings of God. And in verse 10, we see that John writes there, And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. So the Bible clearly instructs us not to worship angels. The angel goes on to say, I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we see here that the central theme of both Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy and New Testament preaching of the gospel, the central theme is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the whole purpose of prophecy is not to heighten our curiosity. When we study biblical prophecy, it causes us to long to worship Jesus. And that's what the angel said here. He said, worship him. And then he said, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we see here that when we study prophecy and we look at biblical prophecy, it causes us to want to worship God. We're living in a world that is actually getting darker. It's getting more evil. We are living at a time now where none of us thought we would see what we are actually seeing at the moment. And I believe that we are living in a time period where in the not too distant future, we are going to be caught away to be with the Lord. And what the Bible actually talks about where the time of Jacob's trouble and the time of tribulation is going to come on the earth and we see the signs actually unfolding before our very eyes uh, at this point in time and helping us to understand bible prophecy when we look at it it assists and helps us to focus and to see jesus more clearly because prophecy points us to jesus christ god's word is absolutely amazing and incredible. The same God who recorded in the book of Genesis how the world and the universe came, to, um, came into existence, the same God that actually revealed that to Moses, and nobody witnessed that but him. And he revealed that to Moses, and that's why we have that record in the book of Genesis. The same God also records the ending in the book of Revelation. And no one else but God could have known this and revealed this, how things are actually going to pan out in the end. In Isaiah 46, the Lord reminds us there, he says, Remember this, keep it in mind, take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all our pleas. It's only God who knows the end from the beginning. Now, when we did our study on the book of Daniel, 
we saw there that in the book of Daniel, the angel communicated to Daniel in Daniel 9.24. He said, 70 weeks are determined for your people, which is the people of Israel, and for your holy city to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. We saw there that the weeks mentioned there are weeks of years, and the 70th week of Daniel, which is a week that spans a seven-year period, the time of the tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble, is what the bulk of the book of Revelation actually covers. And we will see that from Revelation 6 to Revelation 18 deals with that time period, Daniel's 70th week. And as we said earlier, God actually removes us out of the earth and we are not here when that period of time um, happens here on the earth and God then pours out his wrath on the earth but at the same time deals again with the nation of Israel. Before we start looking at Revelation chapter 1, I just want to highlight two scriptures from Deuteronomy 29 verse 29. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. The secret things belong to God, but God actually reveals to us things that are going to happen. And he's revealed to us in the book of Revelation exactly how things are going to pan out in the end. And Amos 3 verse 7 says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So let's pray before we go into starting with Revelation chapter 1. Father, we just thank you that we are able to come into your presence by means of what Jesus Christ did and accomplished for us on the cross. Lord, as we study the book of Revelation, as we look into your word, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will illuminate our hearts, that your word as we study it would take root in our hearts and Lord, as we've already mentioned, as we study your word, as we study prophecy and we look at your word, that it would just cause us, as we have a greater revelation of you, that that would cause us to want to worship and to serve you more and to serve you wholeheartedly. We just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So Revelation chapter 1. Today we're just going to cover the first eight verses of Revelation. So reading from Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. 
the Greek word from which we get the English word apocalypse is where we also get the word revelation from. And what that means is to uncover or to reveal. So when it refers to a person, it means that that person becomes more clearly visible. And that's what John is writing about here, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him. So the Father gave Jesus this revelation, and then Jesus then shows it to John, because he wants his servants to know what must soon take place. And the Gospels unveil Jesus Christ in his first coming, where he came in humiliation as the suffering servant to die on the cross for us. But revelation reveals him in his exaltation. We see, as we study the book of Revelation, we see Jesus in his blazing glory. We see Jesus as Lord over the church. We see Jesus in the second coming as he comes back to the earth to take the earth back from Satan and to establish the millennial kingdom on the earth. And then we see at the end where God is going to actually destroy the earth and the universe and he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And we will then live with God for eternity. And it's amazing what God actually reveals to us uh, in this book. And where it says in verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written it, because the time is near. It's the only book in the Bible that comes with a blessing to those that listen to it, being read and explained, and to those who read it and respond in obedience to the word of God. And where it says there the time is near, although the book of Revelation was written more than 2,000 years ago, time in Scripture refers to epochs, to eras or seasons. And the next great epoch or the next great season on God's redemptive calendar. And although we've had this um, imminency from the time that the church was established, and right through the last 20 generations, each generation has anticipated the return of, the Jesus, of Jesus Christ to the earth. But we're living in a time period where we have witnessed prophetic signs that have come to pass that no other generation has witnessed that indicates that we are living in that time period. And that is the next great event on God's calendar is the return of Jesus Christ, which starts with the rapture of the church and then culminates with us then coming back with him when he comes back to the earth to establish the millennial kingdom. Verse 4, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. The seven churches in Asia 
that area is equivalent to modern Turkey and it's comprised of seven postal districts. And at the center of those districts were seven key cities which served as central points for the uh, distribution of goods and services and information. And it was to those churches in those cities that John writes. And he says there that this is from him who is who was and who is to come. God's eternal presence is not limited to time. He's always been present and he is going to come in the future. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Just going back to verse 4 where it talks about um, where Jesus is him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne. I just want to explain what that is. There are two possible meanings for this. It could be a reference to Isaiah's prophecy concerning the um, sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit. We find that in Isaiah chapter 11. could also, and it's more likely to be a reference to the lampstand or the menorah, which we read about in the book of Zechariah. But it is also a description of the Holy Spirit because we see in Scripture that the number seven is the number of completeness. So John here is identifying with the fullness of the Holy Spirit when he talks about the uh, seven spirits before his throne. Now to him who loves us, God loves us far beyond our ability to grasp and understand. It is so difficult for us in our natural state and even when we go into eternity i don't think we will ever fully comprehend the depth the height the width of god's love for us and what he's actually done for us and he has freed us as the scripture says here from our sins by his blood and he has made us a kingdom and priests to serve his god and father to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So here the Bible actually tells us where we've come from. God has loved us. He does love us. He will always continue to love us. And he has freed us and delivered us from our sins, from the bondage of sin, from the dominion of darkness, from the kingdom of Satan, by his blood. That's where we've come from. And this is what he's done for us. He's made us to be a kingdom and priests, and here is our purpose here in this life, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. When it talks there about being that we are uh, kings or a kingdom and priests to serve God, the kingdom of God is the sphere 
as we know, of God's rule. And that it's accounted by all those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as believers and as priests, we have the right to enter God's presence at any time. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament people couldn't do that. Only the high priest could actually go into the presence of God once a year. But because of what Jesus has done for us, we have got access into God's presence all the time. Revelation 7, look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Coming on the clouds, this echoes the promise of Daniel, where the Son of Man will come with clouds of heaven. And that's not just ordinary clouds. That's clouds of glory. We see in the Old Testament that God often manifested himself in an energized, blazing light, which was called the Shekinah glory. And most people, when they saw that, couldn't look upon that and live. And we read about that in Exodus 33 verse 20. So God's glory at that time also had to be veiled when he appeared to Moses because nobody could see it and live. But when Christ returns, his glory will be completely visible to every single person. And where it says there that even those who pierced him will see him. It's not a reference to the Jews here that were responsible for Christ's death. Zechariah, if we read in Zechariah, it's that uh, Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah identifies the ones who actually pierced him as the house of Israel or the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And when Jesus comes back, it says there that they will look upon the one whom they pierced and they will weep tears of genuine repentance because of what they did to the Messiah. And where it says all the people on earth will mourn because of him, the people on the earth are going to mourn, not that they then have genuine repentance, but it will be a result of guilt of sin and fear of punishment that they are going to mourn. Verse 8 where Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And if we have a look at the alphabet, even in our English language, the alphabet is a very ingenious way in which to store and communicate knowledge. The 26 letters that we have in the English alphabet um, they are able to put words together in almost endless combinations and words can hold and convey knowledge. And 
when God or when Jesus says that he is the Alpha and the Omega, Christ is supreme and sovereign over the alphabet. There is nothing outside of his knowledge. There is nothing that is unknown to him. He knows everything. He is sovereign. And there is nothing that can prevent his second coming to the earth. So we have got a wonderful future to have, a, to, have to look forward to. And the time period, as we said, that we're living in, we are getting closer and closer and closer to that time where the Lord is coming back. And God is sovereign over all the events that are taking place at this time. And the encouragement here, as we've just looked at the first eight verses from the book of Revelation, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this book actually encourages us with the blessing to study it more, that we can actually see who Jesus is, as we said earlier, that he loves us, that he's freed us from our sins. He's made us to be a kingdom of priests that we can serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. That's where we're going to conclude our study today. And the next time we are going to get together, even though it's not physically and that it's online, we will then start looking at the rest of chapter 1. God bless you and may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be your portion at this time. Amen.